Let's Talk PR and More. Public relations, media, publicity, integrated communications, marketing, digital, reputation management, and more. Let's Talk PR and More with award-winning PR strategist, Sherry Goldman. I'm Sherry Goldman, president of Goldman Communications Group, and welcome to Let's Talk PR and More. My guest today is Wendy Goldstein. Wendy is Director of Communications for the Office of the Nassau County Comptroller, one of the highest offices in Nassau County. She has a long career in public relations, which includes prior leadership positions at Winthrop University Hospital and LIU Post. And she has taught public relations at both LIU and the New York Institute of Technology and won many awards for her work, including the Folio Award from the Fair Media Council. I'm excited she's actually joining me here in studio today. So welcome, Wendy. It's good to see you and have you here. Hi, Sherry. Thank you. It's great to be here. So let's get started. I, let's start a little bit about your background and, and what you've done and then how you wound up at the Nassau County Comptroller's Office. Sure. Um, it actually started when I was a, a stay-at-home mom, and I started doing some freelance writing. And I had not planned a career in PR, uh, <laughs> but I, I did enjoy writing. And I wrote some freelance articles. And then when my kids got a little bit older and I was looking for, you know, going back to more part-time, full-time work, um, I took a position as a staff writer at Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory working for their public relations department. Wow. And the rest is history. I, I uh, <laughs> spent a number of years at Cold Spring Harbor Lab where I was uh, mentored by an outstanding director of public relations, Susan Cooper. And um, from there, oh, from there, actually, I decided it would, it would be helpful to my career to get a degree in public relations. So I looked at LIU Post. Oh, because they had a career, in, uh, they had an academic program in public relations. And when I was signing up for school, one of the uh, academic advisors who works with adult students said, do you know that you could, um, we also have a PR department, maybe apply for work there. And I did. And I got a job at Long Island University, worked in their public relations office while I did my degree. Then when I finished my degree, I looked for uh, bigger and Better, which I found <laughs> at Winthrop University Hospital, uh, where I also spent a number of years uh, growing from Director of Public Relations to Director of Public Relations Marketing and Advertising. And the hospital was in a growth period, and we were rebranding, and we did the first ever annual report. So that was a, a great experience. Uh, I left Winthrop for an opportunity on the corporate side and quickly found that that was not my cup of tea. Is that different, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was that different. I, I love, um, you know, mission-driven work and, you know, universities, scientific research, uh, the hospital, you know, they were all things that I could completely get behind and immerse myself in, right? Um, so then, but I, but I was doing well in this corporate job and I decided, you know, if I can do this on the corporate side, Maybe it's time for me to go into business for myself. So I did. I launched my own business, which was WLG Communication. And that was active until really just about a year ago where I worked with clients directly, mostly people who I had known through my previous jobs right. who, um, who I was able to continue working with on a freelance basis. And then about a year and a half ago, I was looking for regular full-time work again, and there was this opportunity in the comptroller's office. And that's where I landed. 
And been there ever since. Been there ever since, yeah. So let's talk a little bit. What is the role of a director of communications, certainly at the controller's office in general? What what? Yeah. What's the responsibilities? What do you do? So <laughs> institutional PR is great. Your, your client is your, your organization, you know, whether it's the hospital, the university. Nonprofits often have in-house director of public relations. Um, and the, it's really to oversee and manage and strategically plan all of the communications going out from the organization. So that could include newsletters, press releases, uh, website content, social media content now, um, and a lot of director of communication positions also include internal communications now. So you might do the internal newsletter, you might do employee communication. Uh, depending on the size of the organization, you may have press conferences, media events, things like that. And you're the one responsible for deciding we need all of this? Hmm. And then executing all of this? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, a lot of the things in communications today, you just kind of have to have, right? I mean, you have Absolutely. to have a website. You have to have social media. Um, so the, the challenge for the director of communications is to make sure that you're putting up quality, accurate, clean copy, you know, free of typos. Content and I tell my solid. students that all the time. You've got to proofread your work. Right, don't right. understand. No <laughs> typos, no no bad grammar, no random commas, you know, <laughs> all these little things that we look for as well as the big things. Yeah. So what's a typical day like for you, Wendy? Tell, tell a typical me. day? So I think most people in public relations, you would know, uh, would probably tell you there is no typical day in public relations because probably. so um, often it's, you know, it's reacting to what's going on in the world around you. Or I like the fact that sometimes two days are not the same, so I can't get bored. I definitely Absolutely. like the diversity of it. But nonetheless, if someone were saying, oh, you're a director of communications for the Nassau County Controllers or an institutional organization, right. what's yeah. what can we expect in a day? Is it filled sure. with meetings? Is it filled with outreach? What's, what's it filled with? Oh, it's filled with a lot of different things. I would say in terms of looking at it as from the day in a life perspective, um, the first thing in every day is going to be to make sure that you're aware of what's going on in the world, what's going on in your field, what's going on relative to your clients or your organization. And so I'm going to stop you and say, how do you do that? Right. So, so it's it's a news check, right? Okay. You 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 want to you want to check what's going on in the news and depends. So local news is always good. I still watch News 12 every day. Okay. Um, uh, They're glad to know that. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, we have our local papers. We have, you know, Newsday. We have financial papers. So in the controller's office, you know, things like the Wall Street Journal. Um, and, and you check. And so this is interesting because it's one of the things that we teach in public relations is the whole concept of media literacy that you, you need to know of and access multiple forms of media in order to really know what's going on in the world. If you only checked the same newspaper every single day, you would be getting one perspective. Oh, and we're such a fragmented media society these right? days, especially if, if you're only getting it from online or cable or something. You're only seeing your vantage point. Right. So the first thing for a public relations director to do in the morning is to get up and check various sources of information so that they know what's going on in the world. And That's are you checking it to see that your organization or your head is mentioned or are you looking to see the competition? Are you looking to see issues or things that maybe you can insert yourself in or know to stay away from? You yeah. Know, what kinds of or all of the above? Yes, yes, and yes, <laughs> all of the above. Yeah. 
Yeah, you want to. You're always looking to see if your client or your organization is in. But it's important to know what are the things that are going on that you could have to react to, that you might want to address, that uh, that might come your way. Okay. Later that day or week or month, and just be prepared to respond to what's going on in the world, and sometimes to proactively communicate based on something that's going on in the world. You know, if we see that gas prices are going up, we can post tips for constituents as to how you can save money on gas. You know, we try to be um, time sensitive in terms of the things that we talk about. Okay, and that makes a lot of sense. So you really do need to be aware. I mean, I always tell my students be a creature of culture and current events, and they roll their eyes. And it's certainly what makes important. news is what's timely. So you still do. Right. It's still the most important thing that you can do in your job. It is. And if you don't do it, then you come to work and you seem ill-informed because you don't know that something's going on that might be directly relative to your field or your organization. So you could either be blindsided or miss a good opportunity. Right. Both right. sides of the spectrum. Knowledge is power. I love that. Right. So now after you do that. After you get up to speed on the day's news, you check your email, which is typically something that most of us do well before we leave the house, you know, before mm -hmm. you go to your actual, whether you're going to a computer or an office uh, you know, you check your emails, you find out who's reaching out to you, what needs to be done that day. You might not respond to everything right away, but at least you know what is um, what's on your okay. plate first thing in the morning. And um, then you look at your to-do list. What are the things that you <laughs> planned on working on that day? Is it filled with meetings and with either people in your office or constituents, or is it filled with We've got to know that this is happening next week. We need to write a press release. We need to do media outreach and reach journalists. We need to. I need to talk to my team because what's our calendar for the next month on social media content? Is it right? It's again. It's all of the above because you know the meetings are important because in public relations our currency is information. It's what we take in and it's what we put out. And right. that's, that's where we bring value to the people that, that count on us, whether it's the public or the students in a university or um, patients at a hospital. So information is what we deal in. So you need to gather information from your internal, internal stakeholders, from community organizations, from experts. So there's this process of taking in information. There's also a lot of strategic planning. Who are com you communicating with? You know, what other stakeholders are involved in whatever news item you might be either creating or dealing with? So, yeah, meeting with other people is, is a big part of it. And then generating the content based on what you've gathered in those meetings. Yeah, certainly a lot of work, public mm -hmm. relations. I have to ask, is a lot of it directed from the person you work with, or are you as the communications director expected to be the one to kind of generate that strategy and bring it above and below you, so to it, speak? Right, and again, both, because you have your, um, your leader's goals and the things that are important to them, mm -hmm. and then the director needs to bring to the table uh, the bigger context of how can we expand on this? How can we do more with this? What are people going to want to hear about related to this? What resources do we need to make this work? And in what ways can we generate content? Can we, can we do, well, we almost always do social media, but is there an event to be planned? Is there a press conference to be planned? So the, the director of communications takes that nugget of information and expands it into a communications campaign. And I'm going to ask you, and I assume this because I find this, 
we can't assume they understand public relations. So they, we can't understand they understand lead times and deadlines right. and planning ahead and all of those things that we know we need to do for our company, our organization, our clients, you know, they don't understand that. So it's hard to get them to focus on that. But that's right. the piece of, I think, what we bring to a party. It is, it is, including education of the yeah. people within our group. Absolutely. As to what the process entails and um, the steps that need to be taken and the time frames involved. It's yeah. not so easy to go, let's put it on social media now. Right, right. <laughs> or here, can you get this in Newsday? Today, like, right, in the next hour. I'm waiting for it. Right, it's not, not a so problem. simple. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. So that's where you are now, and I know you've had a lot of leadership positions before. So in general, you've worked in higher education, you worked in sciences, now government. So are there similarities in terms of the There are a lot of similarities. What's the... Yeah, I, I mean, the, the biggest takeaway I would say is that all organizations need strong communications, whether it's a small organization or a large one or a for-profit or a non-profit. You're preaching to the choir. How right? do we get them I, to believe that? But it's, yeah. it's just essential. And um, so, so I had an experience that I think really highlighted this for me. Of course, I think communications is important because I'm in communications, Absolutely. right? Same for you, I'm sure. But years ago, uh, when I was working at one of the universities, they brought in um, members of the Homeland Security team um, the Federal Homeland Security, okay. who did a workshop, two days, two-day intensive workshop for administration within the university to get certified in the National Incident Management System. So it's like a NIMS certification, they call it. So we do this two-day intensive training, and it's focused on they create a hypothetical catastrophe. And then you do a huge tabletop exercise where everybody is talking about, you know, administration is present, public safety, um, IT. You have all of your major departments um, on hand at the department. And you talk about what do we do if this catastrophe strikes? And it's a great learning opportunity because you realize that if you've never thought through an incident like that, you don't necessarily know exactly what you would do and what order and so we're talking about resources and crisis management and intervention and sh what if you have to shelter in place and how many buildings are involved and getting resources to people and um, communicating what the plans are going to be internally then you're dealing with the media then you're dealing with all of the stakeholders so you have the communications aspect of it it's a huge exercise and at the end of the two days one of the people that was leading the workshop said, so if I ask you all, and it's a huge group now, representatives from all across administration, what do you think is the single most component of an effective disaster response? Each area responded, and, you know, the public safety, working closely with the uh, local authorities, being able to get emergency vehicles on and off campus, all these various things that are all certainly very important. And he's good, but not that, good, but not that good. So finally I raised my hand and I said, <laughs> communications. And he said, bingo. Because if one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing, none of this works. So you need all sorts of internal communication, external communication, command center, who's responding to parents, who's responding to 
media, who's drafting the statements, who needs to approve the statements before they go live, who's the spokesperson? How do you convince everyone across your organization not to talk to the media, but to let the public relations people or the designated spokespersons be the ones that talk to media with approved messages, just this. Crisis Communications 101. I mean, I taught a semester in it. I teach now just one class each semester in it. And absolutely. And question is, how far in advance can you prepare for it? Because you can. You can pre-write those plans and pre-write everything within reason. You can. And then you adapt them with regard to the details of the specific incident. But it's very important to have a major crisis communications plan in place. Uh, Certainly food brands. The first client I think I ever had, one of the first clients was Orangina Soda. And the first thing we ever did was write the press kit in case somebody got sick for Orangina and the plan following the Tylenol, which is the 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 gold standard. And I still teach Tylenol as the gold standard now. Although students in college now don't remember pre no. that Tylenol when right. I tell them Tylenol used to be sold in a bottle on the shelf and there wasn't a package and a label and a box so like their eyes are seems crazy like that yeah. Yeah, yeah crazy so but that's the gold standard but interesting so communications so how do you make that important that to me sounds like the validation of what we do it it is right and so so one of the things that I've made a sort of a standard entry question for myself when I go into a new position is will I be able to sit in on all sorts of meetings because if there's a possibility that leadership is going to need to communicate about something it's very hard to come in at the last minute and craft great statements if you're only hearing the discussion in one particular meeting. It helps for the communications person to be immersed in what administration is doing so that when questions come up, you have the depth of background to understand how to approach those things. When a statement needs to be drafted, you have a sense of what some of the um, subtleties might be behind that question that are not right on the table at the moment that the statement is being crafted. So for me, a big part of it is being present with the administration that I'm working with. And I would think you can bring the what-ifs that they're not thinking of as they're moving a policy or an issue or a program or laying off people, whatever it is. They're so focused on that. They haven't thought about the communications what-ifs. It's better to get them out initially. It may change the policy. It may not. But like you said, be prepared for. Right. That's an important voice to be in the room, as a matter of fact. All these things are being discussed. The communications professional has the um, background to ask questions that they anticipate could be the questions of members of the listening audience, whoever that target audience or public is. And we usually have those questions. Right. And they're shocked when they get asked that question. You knew that. I'm like, yeah. Right. It's going to come up. Right. You know what that, you know, leadership knows what they want to execute. But the communications person who's in touch with their target audiences will know what kinds of questions and concerns those um, steps are going to. And have you found they're listening to you? Do you find in your current job they're listening to you and your previous jobs? I do. I do. I have found in each of my jobs that that there's been a very good working relationship where um, where leadership respects what 
I do as a communications professional, and I can bring something to the table that they might not have had if I wasn't there. Yeah. And is there similarities across all the sectors that you've worked in? I mean, do you find it similar in now you're in government or institutional, as you called it? Um, as versus you were in more healthcare remission and in nonprofits. So is there a similarity or are there differences? There are huge similarities. One of them is being a good writer. Like you okay. it, to be successful in communications, you have to be a good writer. You have to be able to work under time pressures. You have to be able to manage what, I don't know what your phrase for it is, but we always say like shifting deadlines. You know, you come in and you think you're going to be working on one thing that day, and then you find out that there's something else that needs to be done. So mm-hmm. so you have to be able to um, shift gears and put one project aside and work on another project without losing focus, without losing momentum. Uh, so, so there's that. There's the writing. There's the communicating. Listening is a very important skill because if you're going to be writing messages for people or organizations, you have to hear what's going on, not just what they're telling you, but all of that listening that I was talking about earlier in terms of the news, what's on social media, what are, what's being discussed in the world. Have you found it changed over the years because of social media? And, oh, yeah. And yeah. Well, social media, the interesting thing about social media is that, so I did my master's thesis in um, use of social media in you did healthcare administration yeah wow. which was at a time it was 2011 it was at a time when social media was first happening absolutely and so as part of the process for preparing that thesis i was looking at communications theory and so you know communications theory the most linear form of communications is someone talks and someone listens right and so this is what public relations was for decades and decades from its origins would be that someone would put out a message and there would be an audience who we hope would be listening. And then you have factors like noise, what's getting in the way of an audience hearing the message that's intended for them. But what social media did was social media provided what's really essential in communication, and that is the feedback loop. So like we're as two people sitting here having a conversation. I talk to you. It's very important that you need to be able to respond, (laughs) right? So that's how real communication happens is that there's this feedback loop, speaking and responding and reacting. And that's how you get a dialogue going. Without social media, we didn't really have that. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. It it created the closure of the loop it created the feedback loop so that now is it in the comments or just you got a like you got a share or that it's i can write back to you i could it's that you respond. can comment on it okay. i mean you can see what's getting likes what's getting snarky comments what's mm-hmm. getting positive comments but it's the it's the language of the comments that's most important because it's going to clue you into what what people are actually thinking. And if you don't pay attention to the comments, uh, you're missing something. The public feels more empowered now to respond to messages. It used to be years ago, if you were upset about something, they'd say, oh, write a letter. Write a letter. Or we used to go, there had to be a crazy housewife on the front lawn that would get a TV station to come. And now everybody's got a soapbox. Everybody has a soapbox. I can't personally tell you I think it's for the better. But everybody's got a soapbox. And everybody is... That soapbox is amplified. It is. It is. And people can cultivate huge audiences and followings, not necessarily in the conventional ways that we would promote. 
Does it change how you have to prioritize things in your role as a director of communications? Does it change how you have to make a plan to roll it out? I mean, obviously, it needs to be factored in. Right. It, it absolutely needs to be factored in. It's definitely a component that now has been added to the toolbox of the communications okay, absolutely. professional. Mm-hmm. It's now one of the channels. If you put all of social media in a box for a minute, that's a channel that we need. So you have print, you have broadcast, you have events, you have press conferences. Um, social media is is a channel where we need to, and then you have, of course, all the sub-channels within the social media right. box. Definitely it's a tool that's been added to everybody's toolbox at this point that, that needs to be accounted for. It's another area of communication that we now need to monitor. You're not just, you know, turning on the TV and looking at a newspaper anymore. Far from it, right? I right. Mean, oh, absolutely. It's so far from that. Um, they do still e- exist. They still have influence, but but you must watch social media. You must watch the the pages of people and organizations who support you, who don't support you, who have other agendas altogether, because the information gathering in that arena could be so great as long as you tap into it. Definitely makes the job a lot bigger, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It does. It did grow the job, yes, yes. And I know you and I both taught and we're, were close to being out of time. So you and I met when we first taught at LIU mm-hmm. Post together. This was many moons ago. So I'm going to say to you two things. You know, what things should people, what's underappreciated that people, PR people need to know? But what advice would you give students or those starting out in their career looking for a job, maybe going, I want to be a director of communications. Mm-hmm. What what should they, skills should they have? What should they know? How should they kind of proceed on that? Great questions. Um, in terms of what's underappreciated, I'm going to go back to the writing thing. I think oh, that I'm a big proponent of you've got to be a good writer. It's enormous. So you're right there with me. Right. <laughs> you have to be a good writer. Um, you the, the other thing that I think is sometimes not well appreciated is the fact that there is no one general public. You know, we have so many publics at this point. You know, depending on who you work for, what organization you work for, you have so many different audiences. And like if you take the university model as an example, you have the students, you have the parents, you have the board, you have prospective students, you have the community that lives around the campus, Right, you and all students are not the same either. We can't even assume they're right. all the even same. Right, even within the student body, you have all the various different um, listening audiences. So understanding your audience is underappreciated. I interviewed someone recently where they just fell down on that question. Where I said, you know, well, how do you tailor your messaging to various audiences? And he said something very generic, like, well, once you've written the message, you just, you know, pump it out into the various channels. And I thought, well, not exactly. Fail in my class. You I know? just spent yesterday talking about that. No. <laughs> yeah, so know your audiences. I mean, that's a hugely underappreciated aspect of public relations is knowing your audiences, all of them. There's a lot. Um, and in terms of what people like uh, career entry level or career changers would my advice to them would be look for work because as we discussed earlier everyone needs communication so if you're in communication and you're looking for work my advice would be look for work representing something that you could get behind something that you can see immersing yourself in every day five days a week and then some that 
you're going to enjoy. You learn something new every day and you're immersed in a field, whether it's fashion or sports or I happen to love the nonprofit world and now I'm in the government side of it. I, I do have a feeling for all of those things because I feel that there are areas where the, the communication is so important, you know, that we keep in, in terms of government, the constituents aware of what's going on, that we're providing necessary information and useful information. So that would be my best advice. I love that. And I hear your passion in your voice. So yeah. I think that's a good place to end this. Wendy, thank you so much for being here. It's great to have you. It's good to see you again. You're welcome. Such a pleasure to be here. And that's Let's Talk PR and More for today. You can find more information about the show and about me at Goldman Communications Group's website, www.goldmanpr.net. And if you want to hear this show again or any other of our shows, you can listen to the podcast, which is posted on Goldman Communications Group website, as well as on most podcast sites, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and iHeart. Thank you again for listening. I look forward to talking PR and more with you all again next week.